This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. It's good to be here this morning. How about yourselves? I want to thank you all for the invitation to make it out here this morning. Bring you greetings from Pastor Samuel Dade and Pastor Lindsay Sy, Associate Lindsay Sy, over at Patmos Chapel in Winter Park. If you're ever in the area, feel free to stop by. I wanted to speak to you this morning and spend a few minutes talking about the subject, marriage and the Holy Spirit. Marriage and the Holy Spirit. I want to spend a few minutes speaking about a married couple, however, and that married couple is Ananias and Sapphira. But I think too often we come to church, we come and we hear the word and we get fed spiritually, but we go home sometimes struggling financially. Or we get fed spiritually and then we're struggling maritally. So before you know it, that couple that came to church every weekend was getting fed spiritually, all of a sudden is divorced and we wonder what happened. Well, they were getting fed spiritually, but maritally they were not being fed. If you would turn with me again to our text, which is Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and it's on the screen, but I'll read it in your hearing. And we'll, you know what, let's read it all together. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Verse 2 says, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. And I'll read it on the screen. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. We're reading together. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Verse 4, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all of them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Verse 8, And Peter answered to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door and shall carry you out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her forth. And okay, and great fear came. All right, let's, all right, buried her by her husband. And verse 11, and great fear came on all the church. And as the many has heard all these things, let's pray. Father God, serious things to be said this morning. May our hearts receive what it is you have in store for us this morning. Give us grace this morning. In your name we do pray. Amen. This morning, I want to start off by talking a little bit about marriage. I think we come to church, we look good, we present well a lot of times, and there are, but there are some of our relationships that are dying a slow death. So this morning, I want to take a few minutes to feed my married folk as a preamble to our message. The men in particular but I believe that women will be able to gather some parallel truths. So where are all my married folk this morning? Where are all my married folk? Praise God for the married folk. Now, how many of you believe that marriage is work? You believe that marriage is work? All right, that's all right. I know some of you don't want to raise your hand. 
But I do believe marriage is work because we as men, we didn't get any practice with this thing we call marriage. See, little girls are practicing for marriage at the age of five. See, they're getting ready saying, come have tea with me. Let's play house. But what happens when you see a boy playing house? Exactly. Well, that's why men struggle with certain things in marriage, because we're actually told not to play what you later want us to play. See, you've been playing house for years. Little girls in their teenage years read many books about relationships. And women will sit up in their room and read that stuff all day long, getting ready for marriage. But the problem is women are conditioned totally different from men. See, we can't play house. We didn't read relationships books growing up. We didn't read anything about being a husband or a father or who we were supposed to be in the house. See, women, you've been practicing this role all your life and that we've never been trained for. Now, I know the normal feeling of about 70% of the women in this room now have is that, you know, I know that's right, Elder. And he needs to be straightened out because he needs to realize that his, what his responsibilities are and in this relationship. And I'm so glad, Elder, that you brought that up. I'm sorry he didn't get the training. That's why I'm so glad he's here this morning. I'm so glad the Elder can straighten him out that he can finally become, maybe he can finally become the man that I imagined. But God never meant for him to be the man that you imagined. And even though you have been praying and fasting and putting little drops of olive oil in his collard greens, that he would finally get anointed enough to be the man that you imagine, and you're sure that God is on your side, and you are absolutely right. God did not create him to be the man that you imagined. God created him to be the man that God imagined. Because what you imagined is, not, is no more real. It is based on the books you read, the things you saw, the music you heard, and some of you for the last 5, 10, or even 20 years have been living a life of total disappointment, whether you are married or single, because you cannot find the man that you imagine because the man that you imagine does not exist. But women, I do understand, because most men are hiding. Most men got married hiding. They worship hiding. They come to church hiding. They raise their children hiding. Sometimes they'll get a little girlfriend on the side because they need to be able to show somebody who they really are, and they won't show their wife, and they won't show their church, but they'll show old Leslie. Well, I just need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to understand me. My wife doesn't understand me. Well, I guess not. She can't see you. So you sin against your God, against your wife and your kids, and now you and Leslie try to make what you are doing right in the sight of God. I want every mother of a boy in here to know that you are raising some other woman's dream or some other woman's nightmare. If you're raising a boy, you have a chance to put in him some stuff that some young girl will thank you for later. So why are you talking about this on this Sabbath morning, Elder? Why is this the preamble to your sermon? Because when I speak on this, I have more people come up to me and say, I need to hear more from the church about this. I also am speaking about this because over 50% of the marriages in this country end up in divorce, and it's getting higher in the church than it is in the world. How can it be that it's higher in the church? The reason the statistics are higher in the church than they are in the world is because people come to church when they're in trouble. So many people, by the time they get in church, devils are chasing them. They're angry. They're on their second or third marriage. They finally admit it. I don't know how to get this thing right. They finally admit it. They rush into church, and they're here in crisis mode. And then there's another group of people who come to church because your mother told you when you get ready to marry a good woman, go to church. 
So you didn't come here to serve the Lord, you came to shop. So you're running around in this mall in this smorgasbord, dating and mating and breaking. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 3. It says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. It's not good enough for you to be exposed to good teaching if you are not going to use the good teaching that you're exposed to. Verse 3 says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, I know I'm in trouble right now, but women, until you see him as the head, he'll never be what you never see him to be. You have to see him as the head. Now, the head doesn't mean that you are, have lesser intelligence or are less competent or that you're not a contributor or that you might make the most money. It doesn't have anything to do with, it doesn't have anything to do with who makes the most money or who has the most degrees. It has something to do with order. God wants order in his house. God puts order in his house and he makes the man the head so he might be a covering because God thought the woman was so special that he didn't bring her into this world until everything was in place for her. I know you're a smart woman. I know you're a bright woman. I know you are a creative woman. I know you are a gifted woman. But the Bible in 1 Peter 3 verse 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The Bible calls you a weaker vessel. It doesn't call you a weaker vessel because you are a lesser vessel. It calls you a weaker vessel because God created you to be fragile. Because fragile things get protected. They get covered. They get cared for. They get blessed. And even though you can bring in the stripples and fry it up in a pan, I can tell you that after 25 years of bringing in the baconless and frying it up in the pan and taking out the trash will make Jill a dead girl. You need somebody who will go down to the mechanic for you and say, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong with that transmission. That car doesn't need a new alternator. We just need a new battery. Is that all right this morning? But our message today is about Ananias and Sapphira, a married couple. There are stories in the Bible that resonate and stick in our minds almost from the time we first hear them. You don't need to hear the story again about Ananias and Sapphira to remember it the first time you heard it. You remembered it. It's a serious, sobering story. Within a few hours of each other, a man and his wife die, both killed by the Holy Spirit. And so the story of this couple is a story that stays with us, but it's a part of the early beginnings of the Christian movement. And why does this sobering story appear as a part of this glorious movement of the early church? It's just one good thing after another in the book. And then in, church, and then in chapter 5, bam, right out of nowhere, everything just turns. And there's this cold chill that runs through your body. Reading chapter 5, have you ever tried to picture Ananias and Sapphira? Here's a picture. They're probably a middle-aged couple. They were more than likely Jewish, and so probably a little short and with dark curly hair. Envision two very hard-working people who have achieved some material comfort. Maybe they had a house in the town, but also had reached the point where they owned property outside the city in the country. Their clothes were of good quality, and both were able to read and write skills that not to be taken for granted in those days, and as would be the case, a middle-aged couple in that time. They had a family business. If you remember, all Jewish men were required to have some skill. 
So they probably had a successful family business, so successful that they built up assets. So now they were buying and acquiring property, the good life. They had done well because, you see, Jewish families would not sell family heirloom property, so they had extra property. It was against the law to sell family property. If you were the tribe of Judah, the property had to stay in Judah. If you were in the tribe of Levi, the property had to stay in Levi. So if they were selling property, this is property on top of their family heritage. They're a well-to-do couple. They're enjoying their faith. Listen to me. Because the sermon continue, this sermon will come right after this morning. They're enjoying their newfound faith. The apostles, their pastors, are awesome speakers and full of truth, possessed with charisma. And miracles in the church are as common as sermons. And then there's fellowship, going from house to house, breaking bread and sharing, ministering to the widows and to the orphans and to the homeless, to the elderly and to the sick and the infirm. It's exciting church, and they're in it. Then finally, they have become a part of a church like they had never dreamed of. And some people go all their life and never really find a church to be a part of, but they found it. They like going to church. They like to be the members of the church. They had found spiritual heaven on earth, and they loved it. But they, stay with me now, like so many of, like so many of us, had not yet understood what God's will was for them. See, it troubles me that people are in the church for years, occupying space and in the pews, and never grasp why they were called to the church. And maybe when the call was made, listen to me, when the call was made by the apostles, they thought that God wanted their stuff, their money, the exterior evidence of commitment. But when you review chapter 5, you realize that God was after more than money from their property. See, the money from their property was the result of something. That was not the issue. So let's get your mind off of money right now. They were not punished because they held back money. The danger of religion is religion. Because religion gets you caught up in exteriors. Come on, somebody. Religion gets you caught up in exteriors. Going to church, carrying a quarterly, having a Bible, being in Sabbath school, giving tithe. The exteriors get you caught up, and you think those exteriors are going to save your soul. But uh-uh, nobody in this building right now can match the Pharisees on exteriors. But they crucified the Son of God with joy. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that doing something for God is not important. I'm simply saying that is the result of something. For all appearances, Ananias and Sapphira were good people. In church every Sabbath, they were a well-known part of the church fellowship. They had the right to keep or sell their property. God did not require church that they sell their property. God did not require that they sell, did not require that they sell their property. God did not require that they give all the money. Read the story. They got their money for it. They got more money for it than they expected. But there was no dictum from heaven, sell and give it all to him. That did not happen. Let me share with you a statement that may help you understand where I'm going today. It comes from the book, Acts of the Apostles, page 71. Acts of the Apostles, page 71. It says, in sharp contrast to the example of benevolence shown by the believers was the conduct of Ananias and Sapphira. With others, these professed disciples had shared the privilege of hearing the gospel preached by the apostles. They had been present with the other believers when, 
After the apostles had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I like the way your eyes are looking at me right now. You're looking at me like, where are you going with this elder? Let's read verse 31 again in Acts 4. 30, in Acts 4. It says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, they had just experienced a fresh pouring of the Holy Spirit. We're starting to stumble upon the real sin here. Look at the setting. From chapter 2 through chapter 5, there is nothing but amazing growth in the Christian movement. There is fellowship abundant in chapter 2, miracles abundant in chapter 3, increased persecution because of their fervor in chapter 4, and then as if to affirm God's pleasure with the church, the Holy Spirit, already poured out in Acts verse 2, remanifests itself in Acts 4, and they're all filled again. So they have a double portion now, and Ananias and Sapphira were there. The Holy Ghost had been manifested in fresh abundance, and these two were there and were a part of those described in verse 35. In verse 35, it says, Ananias and Sapphira were there and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And I could see Ananias and Sapphira whispering to one another, we have the property. We can do something too. Are you figuring out, are you figuring out their sin? You see, the Holy Ghost is running the church. Who's running the church? The Holy Ghost. He's present in everything going on. He's moving upon people to take care, to care and to share and to witness. The people are being led by the Holy Ghost. The people are being led by the who? So whose idea was it to sell the property? The Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. The thought to sell the property was not theirs. It came from the Holy Spirit. You don't do good on your own. How dare you take credit for coming to church on your own? How dare you take credit for asking for forgiveness of your sins? You don't do that. You are a sinner. God in you moves you to do right. See, that's the problem with these two. The Holy Spirit gave them the idea. It was his idea. They sinned against the Holy Spirit. That was their sin. And Peter recognized in chapter 5, verse 3, and it says, But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Their sin wasn't money or greed or dishonesty. Their sin was... Their sin was not listening to the guiding influence of the church, the guiding and abiding presence in their soul. Ananias and Sapphira ignored the still, small voice. That was their sin. God didn't need their money. God didn't need their property. He wanted their hearts. Your sin isn't that you didn't come up to Sabbath. Your sin isn't that you didn't get up on Sabbath morning and come to church. Your sin is the Holy Spirit said, get up, and you didn't. Your sin is not that you kept the tithe in your wallet. The sin is that the Holy Spirit said, put your tithe in, and you did not. That's the sin. Ignoring the voice. God doesn't need stuff and trinkets from us. He needs us. And the Spirit uses these things, these blessings. The blessings of life, the blessings of time, the blessings of house, the blessing of a job. God gives these blessings, but the blessing is a test. And now that we've identified their sin, let's talk about their sin. Because there's not a person in here sitting today who's not sometimes heard God's voice saying something and you push it aside. And your sin winds up not being that thing 
that you did, but it ends up being the person that you ignored. Everything that we do has some form of principles and mores. And any form of principles and mores comes with God, comes from God. Romans 2 verse 12 says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So anything in your life that is a moray, a principle of right or wrong, that you ignore, you are ignoring God's voice. He doesn't care what you do after that. He's already upset. You ignored him. How dare you, Ananias and Sapphira? Take my ideal. Sell the property. My idea. Give the money and then use it for yourself. How do you treat me like that? How dare you take my mind, my body, my job? How dare you take my house? How dare you take it and treat it any way you want to? I'm the one who gave it to you. Are you listening to me this morning? The Holy Spirit is the head of this church. The Holy Spirit is the head of the church, not the general conference. The Holy Spirit runs the church. But more than that, the Holy Spirit, listen to me, is the personal guide of every Christian. Isaiah 30, verse 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. You know, it's amazing to think that we have such personal guidance from God. Do you realize what you just read there? There's a word behind you saying, go here and go there. The question is, have you become, listen to me, have you become a practiced obeyer or a practiced ignorer? John 16, verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he shall show you things to come. Holy Spirit is walking with you and guiding you to what is right and shows you things to come. Romans 8 verse 26 says, so you can't, Romans 8 verse 26, you can't get through a day without the Holy Spirit. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. You can't even put together a decent prayer without the Holy Spirit. You can't confess your sins. See, I've just explained the reason why a person who commits a sin against the Holy Ghost can't be saved. They can't get forgiveness for sin. You see, when you get on your knees and pray, the Spirit, with the language that you couldn't utter, with an honesty that you don't possess, then takes the prayer and says to Jesus, this is what they should be saying. They're doing the best they can. They should be saying, and I want you to deal with them accordingly, but if you drive the spirit away, what help do you have? Your prayer is already a joke. So Jesus warned in Matthew 12, verse 31 through 32, it says, Matthew 12, 31 through 32, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Verse 32, and whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, so you can talk against Jesus, it shall be forgiven him for the reason why you can't be forgiven for sin against Jesus, because the Holy Spirit helps you talk to Jesus. It shall be forgiven him. But he continues, whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. So the Holy Spirit says, whispering, Ananias and Sapphira, you've got property. God bless you with it. You've got extra property. God bless you with it. There's a need in the church. You ought to sell it. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't force them to say, we'll give it all. They said that. Read the text. That's why Peter said it was yours. Peter knew God wasn't forcing them to do this. It was yours. If you said you were giving 50%, we were glad to get it. 
You said, you said, see, folks, you've got to watch the statements that you make in church because what you're going to do indeed, you have to watch showing off in church. There's an accounting, a serious accounting that goes on. Genesis 6, verse 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. He kept working on Ananias and Sapphira to the last minute. I believe that he did. But isn't God a God of love? Isn't God a God of love this morning? Even as Ananias walked in that church, the spirit said, don't lie. Go on and tell the truth. You got more money than you thought. Acts 7 verse 51 says, you can vex or anger the spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, you can grieve the spirit. The word grieve there is an interesting word, though. It's not grief as in sorrow. It means to make somebody tired. What Paul is saying is that you can wear the spirit out. He's tired of taking your lazy, don't mean nothing prayers to heaven. You've been repeating the same stuff you repeated last week, making no effort to do anything different. I believe God gets weary of it and just says, I'm not taking that trip anymore with that prayer. Are you listening to me? This is some serious stuff this morning. Ananias and Sapphira, this is serious. You have to know that when Ananias was killed, the spirit rushed to, An to, rush to Sapphira and said, tell the truth. Because God doesn't deal with us in groups, church. He deals with us one by one. They both had equal opportunity. I can hear the spirit saying to Sapphira, and see, she had no idea that her husband was dead. Don't go in there and lie. If you notice from the chapter, Peter gives her separate judgment. You mean you agreed with your husband on this? It does come that time, listen to me, folks, when it's just you and God, nobody else. It's not about your mother. It's not about your father. It's not about your husband or your wife, just you and Jesus and what the relationship is. So picture these two in the privacy of their home. The sale is made. The funds are received. They made a pledge in front of everyone because the Holy Ghost is in the transaction. After all, it was his idea, not theirs, because the Holy Spirit was in the transaction. No wonder why, no wonder they got more money for the property they had than they thought. If you go to God with something, you're going to be blessed. But what you forgot is the blessing is a test. The blessing is a test. Of course they got more money. It was the Holy Ghost's idea. The Holy Ghost did the negotiations. They thought they did it. But you have never been in a situation, well, have you ever been in a situation where, have you ever been in a situation where you weren't looking for a blessing and you got a blessing? Because the Holy Ghost went ahead of you? They were blessed and tested in the same moment. So often that is the situation. You get a better job than you prayed for, a higher raise than you expected, you got a blessing that you would have never heard or never had the nerve to pray for? Blessed and tested at the same time. You get a better house than you'd hoped for. A better deal on a new car than you prayed for. A larger year-end bonus than you could ever have imagined. Blessed and tested at the same moment. And then the Holy Spirit, who knows the real sin in your life, it's not so much that you love money or dishonest, but you are, but the real sin is that you don't trust God. Because when Ananias and Sapphira got the money, they thought about all the things they could do with the money. And they forgot that God can supply all your needs. Their minds went to self. The real sin is your sin. You forgot who gave you the blessing. Their sin was your sin. You forgot that your agenda is not lined up with God's agenda. So you steal from his house, steal from his church for the sake of your own goals. Maybe you send the money overseas for family. Or you think, well, the extra money, I can have a nicer car or a nicer dress than you've been planning to buy. 
We put more money in the bank to invest in yourself and leave the God who blessed you. You should be quiet. You have people who think they can manipulate the tithe dollar and expect God to understand. They say, I've got family, I've got to take care of my family. But you haven't ever taken care of your family. God has always taken care of your family. You do with God's money what he said to do with it. No, you're not a thief. You're just a Christian who has become practiced at ignoring the Holy Ghost's recommendations. And you would discover in these last days, God has never bought your reasoning. And with tears in his eyes, that's the way I imagine Peter, he says to Sapphira, the same hands that carried out your husband will now carry you out. This Holy Spirit who gives life, remember Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. It's the Spirit of God that puts life in people. Because you remember when Jesus was born, it says the Spirit of God hovered over Mary. So when the Spirit of God left Ananias and Sapphira, it took life. They were gone. They were gone. You chase away the Spirit, you chase away life itself. The Holy Spirit labored with Ananias and Sapphira. Acts of the Apostles, page 71, it reads, Deep conviction had rested upon all present, and under the direct influence of the Spirit of God, Ananias and Sapphira had made a pledge to give the Lord the proceeds from the sale of certain property. Your joining, the your joining the church was his idea. So you can't act like you want to act. Your membership is his membership. You've got talents you're sitting on this morning. You're not using for university church. Of course God is upset. Those are not your talents. How dare you come in here Sabbath after Sabbath and sit and go home and do nothing? How dare you? Where do you get the nerve? Your ability to sing is his ability to sing. Your ability to serve in his usher is his ability to serve in his usher. Your ability to work with the homeless, your ability to go to the nursing home and deal with those who are in the nursing home, that's not yours, that's his. How dare you pledge, then withhold. When you came in this church, you pledged. This is a serious sermon, folks. Ananias and Sapphira's situation is way more than money. It's way deeper than money. It's about your being, who you are, offering to God and then holding back some of it, and then wanting God to be satisfied. He's not satisfied. He wants all of you, nothing less. But I'm just too busy. Well, you're too busy to be saved. If you're too busy to serve the Lord in this church, if you're too busy to use your talent, if you're too busy to be saved, go out there in the world and just have a ball. Because in this place, in church, there should be no negotiation. In this place, there's no negotiation. In this place, he wants all or nothing. And a genuine manifestation of God's spirits in your life is how you serve him in his cause. They were part of a church that was on fire. Everybody was witnessing. Everybody was doing. Everybody was giving. Everybody was at it. Everybody was involved. And God did not have time for members giving half or 90%. See, we really didn't know from the figures how much they decided to save. They might have said 99%. The statement I read earlier from the Acts of the Apostles says, Ananias and Sapphira made a pledge to give the Lord the proceeds from the sale of certain property. Afterward, Ananias and Sapphira grieved the Holy Spirit by yielding the feelings of covetousness. I want you to know I didn't make the sermon up this morning. Their sin was the sin of the Holy Spirit. So don't forget that. You should never talk about Ananias and Sapphira robbing God anymore. They robbed God of themselves. They robbed God of all he wanted. He wants all you have. 
and I'll preach this as long as God gives me breath to every congregation until every member of every church is upset because you're not doing anything. You cannot keep walking into church and going home. That's un unacceptable. That is making a pledge and then giving a percentage of it. You work for Jesus. You work for Jesus. You work for Jesus or you die in hell. And I'll never apologize to you for saying that because that's the truth of it. You get involved in these pews, in the work of this church, or don't expect the Lord to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's going to say, I never knew you. So I appeal to you today, check yourself carefully. You made a pledge when you joined University Church, or if you're visiting today, you made a pledge when you joined your church to be involved in the mission of the church. That was a part of your baptismal vow, to be involved in the church that was a part of your baptismal vow, to be involved in a church that will preach the gospel until Jesus comes. You can't pay your way through it. They tried. The couple did. God said, I don't want your money. I don't need your money. I want you. Returning a tithe and offering isn't sufficient. And as I draw to a close, tithe and offering won't get you in. And as the stewardship director over at Patmos, you'll hear me talking about it a lot. And I do talk about it because it's something that God asks. Showing up every now and then won't get you in. You see, I finally figured out after all these years, the church is a mission movement. Either you're involved in the mission or you're not. Don't hand God the stuff. Well, you know, there are so many talented people here at university. They don't need me here. The first elder does a great job. If they don't need you here, then why are you here? You were brought here because you are needed. In fact, God checked out university's needs before he brought you here. So you are selected by him to be here. Well, I attend regularly. Well, so did the Pharisees. So what? Well, I read my Bible faithfully. Uh, the Pharisees memorized Genesis through Deuteronomy. So match that. They still crucified the Lord. So don't give the Lord a list. We keep on trying to be saved by a brownie point list. Salvation is a relationship so close and so tight to Jesus that you just can't help but be what he wants you to do, be what he wants you to be, and do what he wants you to do. Acts is about the Holy Ghost. This morning, I believe somebody in this congregation is sitting looking at me and needs to go home and say, when am I going to go to the first elder and ask to be a part of one of the ministries? And don't insult him by saying, you know, nobody's asked me. I don't believe he needs to ask you. Get up and come to one of the elders and say, hello, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do more in the church. We shouldn't have to ask anything. Well, you know, if somebody asks me to be on that committee, I'll be on it. But no, you, you read the bulletin. You see all the stuff going on around here. Join. 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 I, I know this is a rough sermon. I know it is. Amen. But the sin in Ananias and Sapphira was not money. They ignored the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness in this place? Let us pray. Father God, thank you. The word was strong today, Lord, but you put it together for me. I didn't hold back. Here it is, clear before your people. Choices need to be made. People are occupying space and time, and that's it. People are making arrangements with their money, robbing you not only of tithes and offering, but of themselves. So here we are, coming before you, asking you to bless us. The opportunity to serve is here. May we not be ignorant to your word and to your message. In Jesus' name, amen.